0: Hi everybody, welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz for coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, we're going to review the draft class a little bit more, continuing our discussion from our previous show. But before we get to that, we have to talk about London, my friend. It is official now. The date, the opponent, it has all been set. It is Week 5, October 9th. The Packers will be facing the New York football giants at Tottenham Hotspur over in London. The Packers becoming the last NFL team to play a regular season international game. Another barrier broken here for uh, the Green Bay Packers football club incorporated
1: huge barrier mike i remember when i started covering the team in 2012 i (laughs) the first year i don't know if you remember how they used to do the uh who was going to play international series games back in the day but they used to announce them like there was during the season or something like that for the upcoming for the following year it wasn't like how this went down i remember one time i was sitting in our office at the press gazette and i was actually like on my computer and I don't know if it was Pete Doherty or if it was Rob Domofsky, but somebody noticed me. Like I'm like monitoring, like, okay, 3 p.m., 3 p. the NFL is going to announce the International Series games. <laughs> and I'm actually kind of on my seat a little bit, like, hey, is this going to happen? Is this gonna, are the Packers going to go? Are the Packers going to go? And I, can't, I, don't, I wish I could remember if it was Pete or Rob, but they literally just looked at me like I was wearing 16 pairs of eyeglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and And they're like, And now they're not going. I'm like, how can you be so sure? Because, and then it got into all the reasons that you know about. The Packers aren't going to give up the home game. The NFL's not going to make another team give that game up. So I'll be honest with you, for a while there, I actually started to wonder when it would happen, if it would happen. Because it just seemed like the immovable option, uh, the immovable object and the unstoppable force here, where teams are not going to give up this game because it means too much money. We thought, okay, well, if you're, an ex- if you're moving and you're relocating, then you have to give it up. No, you can actually block one of them. So I kind of had given up hope. And as it turns out, with the 17th game that yep. there are a dozen episodes of me with Unscripted ripping on the 17th game, uh, <laughs> this is what opened up this opportunity. I- I've long felt like this is something that needs to happen, not for the Green Bay Packers, but for the National Football League. They want to grow the game internationally. There is no bigger brand, no more iconic brand in the National Football League than the Green Bay Packers. And to get them out there while Aaron Rodgers is still the starting quarterback of this team, I thought that was essential. So I was thrilled to see this finally happen. The Giants, an early morning game in terms of the United States, it's going to be a really interesting festivity. And in a game in which there's so much rudimentariness and so much uh, you know, th- you just get in the same rotation year after year. It's cool to have kind of a new event to
0: cover. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be it's going to be a very, very interesting and exciting change of pace in the middle of the twenty twenty two schedule. And we all know from the communication we get an in insider inbox from the fans. I mean the number the number of fans Packers fans in the UK in Europe in general. They have been dying for this opportunity, and there are only, what, 60,000, 65,000 seats or something yeah. like that at Tottenham Hotspur, so this is going to be one Hotspur of a ticket. <laughs> 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 With, uh, um, It's uh, it's not going to be an easy one to get, folks. We know that. But, but how um,
1: cool was that? Did you read through some of the Insider Inbox submissions? I mean, people talking about how they've been life—they're they're 50 years old. They've oh, yeah. they lifelong Packers fans. Yeah. They've never had an opportunity to come to the States. They wake up at four o'clock in the morning to watch these games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whatever 1 a.m., 2 a.m., whatever time zone they're in over there in in Europe. They've been, uh, yeah, they they do whatever it takes to be able to watch the Packers live whenever they can in the middle of the night. And now the Packers are actually going to be playing over there. I have to say, though, I got a kick out of, there was a story, I guess it was last week that seemed to get, started to get a little bit of legs. Yeah. with regard to the Rams apparently saying that they were going to volunteer to be the Packers' opponent over in England and that maybe the NFL was going to – and, and I, I was just like – I was the, the fact that that story got any traction whatsoever, the NFL, let alone the Packers letting that game move, the NFL was not going to put the Green Bay Packers against the defending Super Bowl oh. champions – at 8 30 in the morning on a Sunday in early October, like that was just not, no. that was just not going to happen. So I didn't understand. I had said an in insider inbox weeks, months ago that it, that it looked like it would either be the jets or the giants, as far as the opponent, yep. that would be the, 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 the home game for the Packers, the ninth home game that would, uh, that would be moved overseas. It did turn out to be, the Giants and now we do have the we do have the date interestingly the week right before that October 2nd the Vikings NFC North rival are going uh, will be playing um, over in uh, the UK as well so some interesting uh, um, interesting happenings uh, coming up here before we get back to some questions with regard to the Packers draft class I'll take care of some sponsor business West Sirius XM NFL radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24 7 365 and at Cousin Subs we have something for everyone like our Wisconsin cheese curds mac and cheese golden fries and creamy shakes all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl Cousin Subs we believe in better all right I'm just going to throw some random questions out at you with regard to the draft class. We kind of went through in our last show all the picks that were made on defense, the picks that were made on offense, um, touched on all 11 of the selections in one uh, form or fashion. So we'll start with this. Which draft pick do you see making the biggest impact as a rookie on the Packers 2022 season?
1: I'm going to go with Quay Walker here. That, that's kind of a really big, you know, kind of cop out, you know, considering he's the 22nd overall pick, he's the first rounder, but I, I just feel last year I was completely taken aback. Uh, just complete, su- complete surprise at how often the Packers implemented two inside backers on the field. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be Mike Pettine's defense. I knew Joe Barry was going to utilize that position more specifically in the nickel package, but he really, like, they played a lot. Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell played a lot. And I, I think that the opportunity, the, the foundation in terms of the defense and what's going to be expected, there's a, there's a catalyst and sort a, of a, a path, I think, for, for Walker to play. Uh, and the reason I say that is Devondre Campbell now has this defense down cold. He's the shot caller out there. This is the guy that's running things. He's running the show. And you saw how many different guys stepped in with Campbell last year. You know, Chris Barnes played quite a bit, especially in the the rundown packages. But they rotated Oren Burks in there. We had, you know, um, Jalen Smith came in for a couple weeks. I mean, they went through a lot of different guys at that position, Ty Summers, and yet it was still Campbell calling the shots and, and making all the pieces fit. So in that regard, I think there's there's a really good opportunity for Walker to get comfortable in this defense without having to be the man, so to speak, but still to be a playmaker. Uh, he's going to have to work for it. Chris Barnes is a, is a proven vet now. He's done this for two years. I, I've written about it a number of times, 160 tackles on less than 1,000 career snaps. The guy's constantly around the football and is going to want to still compete to be a starter in this defense with Walker there's just at 6 foot 3 240 pounds there's so many ways Green Bay can utilize them. we may see some 4-3 packages we saw a couple of those last year i just feel like the path is there for that young man to be able to make a year one impact
0: i like that uh, i like that selection and as much as i would like to say and i do think it would be it would be extremely beneficial to the packers quite frankly if christian watson is the rookie that makes the biggest impact because I expect Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb in particular to be able to produce in this offense with their relationship with Aaron Rodgers. If if we're talking about a major rookie impact from Christian Watson, that's going to be a sign that he and Aaron Rodgers have gotten on the same page fairly quickly, fairly smoothly. Um, I think that could be a, a huge thing for this Packers offense. But I hesitate to say that just because of those guys like Lazard and Cobb and possibly Sammy Watkins um, in that receiver room. So I'm going to go with Devontae Wyatt, and this is why I'm going to say that. Um, He certainly gives the Packers a big rotational piece on that defensive line, Uh, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry being those two two veteran stalwarts that you have there. But I can see a lot of potential third downs with this defense where – The the four-man rush that you'd like to get home with four, right, so you don't have to blitz, you don't have to compromise your coverage. The four-man rush is Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary on the edges and Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt on the inside. Now, when three of the other four are Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, and Kenny Clark, chances are Devontae Wyatt is going to be blocked one-on-one, right? He's going to be singled up way more often than not. And I just – I think potentially – in this, uh, in this third down defense, if Joe Barry doesn't, doesn't want to, doesn't need to go crazy with the blitzes, that a guy like Wyatt could get a lot done.
1: And you remember the end of last season when they started using some of those double-A gap pressures too with Campbell? Even, you know, you know, Kevin King was kind of using some of that as well near the end of the season. Yeah. They started stressing all points, all gaps on the offensive line, and I really see that with this group. It's such an evilly balanced group. Certainly, you know, Preston Smith is the high-earning guy. Uh, You know, a guy that's been doing this for eight, nine years now, Kenny Clark has been a two Pro Bowl. So the areas of emphasis are still going to be there, but there's a lot of different ways that they can really test that chain and try to find the weakest link and why it fits into that perfectly. Yeah.
0: But I will say also, going back to your point in talking about Walker, Walker maybe is a guy that Joe Barry decides to cut loose on third downs. You just look at the video from the national championship game against Alabama. Yeah. Quay Walker had six quarterback pressures in that game as an off the ball linebacker. He was he was turned loose in the pass rush for all the marbles in college football, and and, and he delivered a big time performance. And,
1: there. and to mention one thing about Watson too, you know I'm not expecting this young man to come in and completely run the route tree and know everything where he's supposed to be at all times with Aaron Rodgers. But one thing that really gets lost in that that 2018 season that I know a lot of people want to forget was the fact of how impactful Marcos Valdez-Scantling was in a limited capacity as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, his home run potential, it showed right from the start. Um, Now a little bit more veteran player, a guy that was basically used that way at USF, fit well into that capacity. but. I think it just does go to show you that Watson can be a player. he can do certain things in this offense right off the bat. It's just going to be the larger entree, I think is going to be the question because again, it's a huge playbook and there's a lot of guys coming in trying to figure out exactly where they fit into the whole
0: equation. Yeah, all right, next question. Packers had four seventh round draft picks, which is a lot. and you don't uh, the Packers haven't haven't had that volume of picks late in the draft in a long time, and and we're always curious as to exactly how these guys are going to work out. To you, of the four seventh-round picks, who's the most intriguing guy?
1: I've talked a lot about and I've talked a lot about Carpenter, and I could talk more about them now, and, and maybe I'll give you the opportunity to talk about one of these guys here in a second, but I do want to put some some shine onto to Rasheed Walker because the thing was, Mike, I, we were talking about this. I went back and looked you know, I always like to look at, I don't care about what people are mocking for next year. People always like to do their way too early mock drafts right. for next year. They're they're right. rarely correct. I mean, the Howell kid was like mocked as a top 10 pick. I think he went like towards the back end of it, the quarterback from from North Carolina. Right. But Walker was a guy that some people had as a first round pick for going back to last year's after the draft going into this year. And the, nothing's changed with this guy. I mean, he had to battle some injuries, and there might be some things that I think people might have perseverated on as far as his makeup. But he's still a guy that started 32 games at left tackle for Penn State, a competitive Big Ten team, and has a lot of experience to lean back on. I think that he's going to be a really – when you're talking about trying to find guys in the seventh round – Elliott Wolf used to talk about it. You're looking for traits. You're looking for an attribute. You're looking for something that stands out. To me, I think there's a lot that stands out with Walker. It's just a matter of can they just get him in here, forget about the injuries, forget about everything else, just treat him like every other prospect and see if you might have something there. Because if you can find in a third day left tackle prospect or right tackle prospect, that can be a major hit. The Packers have had so much success on that third day, unearthing incredible athletes. Uh, and, and I feel like, you know, when you, when you look at Walker's makeup, uh, this guy has a lot to offer. From a prospect standpoint and a recruit standpoint, uh, I'm excited to see him in a Packers uniform.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that your answer to this question was Walker because I, I was going to test your knowledge, your trivia a little bit. I mentioned the Packers took four players in the seventh round. Back when, if I'm doing my math right, you were somewhere in junior high. The Packers had five seventh-round picks one year, and one of those guys is in the Packers Hall of Fame.
1: Marco Rivera?
0: No. Nope. No, I'd have been too young. Um, Mark Tauscher. Mark Tauscher. Sorry, yes. I don't know why I was thinking, yeah. What Mark seventh Tauscher, seventh-round pick, who's now in the Packers Hall of Fame. The Packers had five seventh-round picks that year that they drafted Mark Tauscher. He was the first of the five yeah. seventh-round picks. He ended up. If I'm not mistaken it was week 2 of his rookie year Earl Dotson at right tackle gets injured. Tauscher steps in. Basically other than injuries of his own, held the job at right tackle in Green Bay for a decade and he's now a uh, he's now a Packers Hall of Famer. Incredible incredible career. My 7th round pick as far as most intriguing, I'm going to go with Tariq Carpenter. And I say that because of surprise surprise special teams. 6 foot three, 230 pounds. I don't really care whether you want to call him a safety or a linebacker, however that shakes itself out. But I go back to what we when we got the first chance a few weeks ago to talk to new special teams coordinator Rich, Rich Bisaccia. and he mentioned in terms of how he likes to how he likes to build his units. he talked about the his core, his foundation are, is, is to find the six players, on your punt team, essentially your punt protection team, aside from your long snapper, aside from your punter, aside from your gunners, your six guys that sort of form the the inner core of that punt team. And those are the guys who oftentimes become the regulars on all of the different special teams yeah. units. And a guy like Carpenter, I know he's a rookie and he's going to have a lot to learn, but he's going to have a great teacher in, in Bisaccia to potentially learn all this stuff. At 6'3", 230 pounds... I see him as, a, as one of these guys, even as a young player, who might be able to get a job as one of those core six that Bisacci was talking about and, uh, and make himself a regular on special teams regardless of maybe where he fits on the depth chart on the defensive side of the ball.
1: If you're 6'3 and you're 230 and can run the way he ran at his pro day yeah, and you can tackle like he tackled throughout his career at Georgia Tech, you, there's going to be a place for you in the National Football League. Uh, it won't be easy. It's going to be a challenge, especially it's never easy for a rookie coming in. We talk so much about offense and defense guys coming in as rookies. It's not easy to do that on special teams either. I think sometimes we take that for granted. They just think, well, he's a bottom of the roster guy. He's number 40 through 53. He'll be great on special teams, and you stop thinking about it. No, there's a transition there, too. You have to understand all the terminology. You need to be understand what's asked of you in all these specific units. But it seems like Carpenter has a really good base for it, foundation, an intelligent kid, uh, did, you know, was one of the captains over there at you know, Georgia Tech. He's a little bit more of a veteran side of things. I just feel like, Mike, there were so many people that for years didn't fully appreciate Jared Bush, and, and I was one of them that actually did because I'll never forget the time that Joe Witt was talking to us in the atrium, the former Packers quarterback's coach, and he said, The thing about Bush, take away all the special team stuff, which is what he was known for during his nine years here. He knows how to play seven positions in the defense. He could have played the Mike linebacker if they needed him to, just (laughs) based on how things worked out. But what stood out to me the most about it is that he was always accountable to those spots. If he got thrown in there, he was ready for it. And he was just such a steady Eddie on special teams as a gunner, as a coverage guy. And you just you need to have some of those guys because it's not just about what that individual person does. It's about how that individual person affects the rest of the unit. Yeah. That's what Green Bay needs right now.
0: Well, it's, 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 it's neat that you mentioned a guy, mentioned a guy like Jarrett Bush. I mean, I got to know JB pretty well. I covered his entire career here. And, of course, I'll never forget him. You talk about learning all these spots on defense and being accountable. He gets thrown in there in the Super Bowl, and he gets an interception yeah. of Ben Roethlisberger in the Super Bowl when the Packers had all kinds of injuries going on. But, yes, a sp- special teams was first and foremost um, what he did. Next question. What is the most interesting competition that has been created by this draft class?
1: You know exactly where I'm jumping here. It's offensive line. It has to be. Uh, Nine offensive linemen selected in the last three drafts, eight of which are still in Green Bay right now. Obviously, Simon Stepanek retired. But eight guys, in addition to David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and all these other veterans that they've had in there as well, that competition, trying to figure out how to set a starting five, it is a good problem to have because I can't do it right now. It's difficult. I mean, Yash Nyman, the way he played last season. And, and the weird thing is, Mike, you you hope there won't be injuries affecting this like last year, but these things always have a way of working themselves out, but it's worked out through competition. It's worked out through training camp. It's worked out through preseason games, one-on-one blocking drills. There's so many things that kind of go into it. and. What Green Bay is gonna to want to do, and I can already tell you what you know Luke Buckus' message is gonna to be to his offensive lineman before the week one game is okay, this is the starting five we're going with. Every single buddy everybody else that's here on the 53, you gotta be ready. Right. And if you need any yep. more evidence of that, throw on the tape from last <laughs> season.
0: So <laughs> and I, even the year before, to And a the certain year before yep.
1: because Lucas Patrick is gone. That's your backup center. That's a guy that's had a lot of experience at the guard spots. Billy Turner's gone, a guy that started both positions, guard and tackle for Green Bay. It's not about what the starting five is. It's about who's stepping up at each of those spots if somebody else goes down. So to get in a Zach Tom, to be able to draft a Sean Ryan, mid-round draft picks, prime cut draft picks for what the Packers have had success at that position, that's going to be the position all summer long. I'm going to be watching with a fine... Eye on.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be really interesting. Um, I, I'm not going to be able to pick a, a different position as far as competition in terms of answering this question because I am 100% with you that that it's about the offensive line with what Brian Gutekunst invested with uh, with the draft picks in this class. Because you mentioned you mentioned Rasheed Walker, the seventh round pick. It looks like he's the one guy that they're not necessarily talking about as much with position versatility. Yeah. That he's going to play tackle. I could see him definitely competing with with Yash Nyman for uh, for a starting spot there at right tackle. You you mentioned Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, third and fourth round draft picks. Positional versatility, guys that could could play tackle, um, could play guard, Tom obviously also has experience playing center. Um you know, does does Sean Ryan push Royce Newman at at right guard. Does uh you know does Zach Tom get a chance to maybe push John Runyon at left guard? I'm just throwing out possibilities yeah. here, right? I don't know. When I look at it right now, I I, I there's um, health questions aside. David Bakhtiari at left tackle and Josh Myers at center are the guys that I 100 percent expect yep. to be starting on this offensive line when the 2022 season gets underway, but. Um, for as good a season as John Ryan, John Runyan, excuse me, had at left guard, um, it's not, that's not to say that his spot is safe. Certainly, Royce Newman's spot at right guard is not safe. Yash Nyman will be presumably shifting from left tackle, where he started half the season, over to right tackle to try to win a starting job there. And, uh, and these draft picks are going to come in and battle them. I think it's, gonna be, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to yeah. see exactly how this shakes out. Because as we talked about on our last show, after last year's draft, we weren't talking about Royce Newman as a fourth-round pick from Mississippi being the starting right guard in week one. But lo and behold, that's what ended up happening, right? So uh, who knows at this point how this is exactly going to uh, shake itself out.
1: Yeah, and then I'll, just to close on this too, I'll also throw out to, to switch up the positions, the receiver battle is going to be really interesting to watch because the one thing I don't think people realize because someone asked an insider inbox well would you look at a Jarvis Landry would you would you look at a Will Fuller I, I my response to it is they've already done this I mean when you look at Watkins coming in yeah that's the one outside signing but the Packers currently have six guys on the roster that have played in NFL games some for a full season most of them all of them for a full season Rico Gafford I think played two years with uh with the Raiders so they have experience, and now they have three draft picks. They have a couple undrafted free agents, including uh, the kid from Wisconsin that came in now too. Yeah,
0: Danny Davis.
1: So they have the competition they're looking for. The only thing that's different than previous years is you don't know how one two, three is slotted on the depth chart. You just know that there's going to be guys competing for the 53. And the guys that make the 53 are going to be looking to make the game day roster. The guys looking to make the game day roster are the guys that are going to be trying to be the ones that are playing on Sundays. That is the goal. Yes, there's Randall Cobb. Yes, there's Alan Lazard. But they're going to bring all these guys in. If you're going to be in the equation, you have a chance to play. You got to show that you can handle it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, one last question before we go. Favorite fun fact that you learned about one of these draft picks? It's got to be weekend. the
1: Jonathan Ford one. I'm probably taking the the, the coolest piece. That's of okay. News there, but Jonathan Ford in to Daryl Slayton <laughs> being middle school teammates <laughs> or basketball or whatever that was, or, or they're playing together. I, like I joked about, you wrote about it. I joked about it in our last one. Like that that lunch lady. I mean, my <laughs> God, I, I can't I can't imagine what that must have been like. Yeah. But. I mean he was even, a lot he, there was a
0: lot of food moving through that middle school cafeteria. I mean uh, to feed to feed those two young men. TJ even said last year he's like basically, I mean it's pretty
1: easy for him to get up to 360. You know, you had John saying hes you know was about 341, wants to play in the more of that 330 range. But the fact that there, again, it goes back to what we've always said about how small this football universe really is. And then there was somebody that also tweeted out, I mean, I think there's five guys in the NFL now. I can't remember if it's Plantation. I forget this high school that TJ went to. But there's five guys from his high school basketball team that are all in the NFL right now. Really? Yeah. Wow. Not counting John. John, I think, might have went to a different high school or something. But, like, TJ has, like, like just seeing those connections, Yeah. It, it's always funny because the, the, the six degrees thing, it, it really is true. And, and uh, yeah, so Ford and, and Slayton, those two big defensive tackles going to middle school together kind of brought a smile to my face.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I also got a kick out of learning that uh, Kingsley Enoch Barry's nickname is JJ. And apparently he got that nickname JJ because when he was a young Lad, he was a big fan of a children's show called JJ the Jet Plane, which I was not familiar with. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that one either. But just interesting that I'm usually uh,
1: working during the day.
0: But interesting that he would uh, that he would pick up a nickname from uh, from watching a uh, a children's TV show. I, that's that's one I've never, as far as the origin of a nickname. That's one that I haven't heard before. I, I, I kind of got a kick out. So, of So
1: I didn't know anything about. Him at all until the Packers draft him. I knew I heard his name in the outside linebacker conversation, but in terms of breaking him down, I didn't know. So when when Patrick Moore, the Packers scout, goes up there and is like, "Yep, you know Kingsley, he goes by JJ," I'm kind of like, <laughs> <Yeah>. "Okay, <laughs>
0: like yeah,
1: you know to Daryl Slayton going by TJ Slayton, I get that, you know, but oh okay,
0: yeah, JJ, but hey." JJ, JJ, the jet plane. I'm going to have to, I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to check with my kids if they watch that show. I'm not even sure if, I'm not sure if they did. I don't know. So. Yeah,
1: I, I, that, that, I usually am pretty far up on the kids shows, you know, with the four year old running around now, but that's uh that was a new one for me.
0: Yeah, definitely a new one. Well, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted and a bit of a programming note. We're actually going to, just because of some scheduling conflicts and other things, we're going to take a couple weeks off from the show. But we will be back for some more shows uh, end of May, early June, while the players are still here during OTA's minicamp, that kind of thing. So we'll be back for some more shows Just this be honest. Spring. I'm
1: holding out for a better contract. That's, what, that, that's <laughs> yeah. why we're not doing yeah. any that, it's all
0: It's all his fault. We'll be back for some more shows later this spring, but we will be taking a couple weeks off before we return. So with that... Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Take care, and we'll see you next time.